you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Maddie Orlando. And I'm Lauren Orlando. As you probably guessed, we're sisters. And we're also co-hosts of the podcast, The Sister Diary. Every week, we let our listeners into real-life conversations like the ones that we have at home. We have an eight-year age gap, so we always have a different perspective on things, but that makes it pretty fun. We talk about navigating life, growing up on social media, and pretty much anything else that we find interesting. You can catch a new episode of The Sister Diary every Friday. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Aliyah Kamalova and Kayleen Holden. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. As the content director at Career Contessa, I get to see what topics spark your interest the most. And sadly, one topic that remains high on the list is toxic workplaces. No one wants to get stuck in one of these, which is why today we're discussing how you can spot a dysfunctional workplace or boss straight from the interview process. Specifically, we'll be discussing two things. One, the relationship between interviewer and interviewee. And two, five red flags to look out for in a job interview. And now this is The Females. Let's start by discussing the relationship between an interviewer and the interviewee, because this is really where it all starts. A dysfunctional workplace is like any unhealthy relationship. At first, you're excited about all the possibilities, a name brand company, maybe a higher salary, potentially, maybe even that more prestigious job title. So those perks make you happy for a while. But then eventually the shine wears off and you start to question the bigger picture. You're forced to admit maybe that the company culture is a bad fit for you. And maybe worse, in hindsight, you realize that the warning signs were probably there from the beginning. You just didn't want to see them. Mm -hmm. And we can all fall victim to this because the idea of something new is really exciting. So For starters, if you've ever ignored your gut, accepted a job, and then you quickly realize it's a wrong fit, don't beat yourself up about it. However, this does beg the question, is there a way to know that a workplace is dysfunctional from an interview? So before you actually get the experience of working there and experiencing the culture, um, have either of you experienced this before? I've definitely (laughs) experienced this before. Basically, after having uh, opted into a couple places that were toxic. A few years ago, I went on an interview 
And it was when I got there, it was a large, like mostly empty office. And the first part of my interview and the person that I had been corresponding with in the beginning was this lovely woman. She would have been working alongside me. And so that part of the interview was lovely. There was like no red flags except maybe the weirdly kind of empty office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> the staged office space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have, I mean, it was a startup and I've seen like weird startup setups where, you know, it's like the satellite office or something yeah. where, you know, all there is is like a foosball and empty mm. desk, <laughs> which is bizarre. But that would have been a red flag that I could have ignored. But then the second part of the interview was with the CEO and his questions were all around like dealing with him specifically and him like hinting that he would be very difficult, (laughs) which like if I had been interviewing for maybe an executive assistant position or something that I would be hand in hand with working hand in hand with him, I would still consider this a red flag, but I would have would have made more sense understood that more. (laughs) Yeah. He was basically telling me outright like... (laughs) I am a toxic trash fire. Like, do not work for me. So I remember leaving there and and even like at the point being pretty like desperate for a job, but knowing this would be a place like I never wanted to walk in and feel that weirdness again. So it just wasn't going to be worth it. Did you take the job because you needed the job though? Or no, you didn't take it. I didn't. I didn't take the job. I even like didn't ever. I made I think I did respond to the girl one more time. But um, when I w- walked out, like I felt pretty confident that I actually could have had the job in the bag. But mm-hmm. it was it was just a, a big no for me. Yeah. What about you, Aaliyah? Have you ever I think known it was the wrong fit and taken it anyway? <laughs> I think I might have talked about this on the podcast before. But the one that comes to mind is I had an interview for like I was like an entry level copywriter, like something in the marketing, something really not super like extensive. And when I got there, they because the way I got it, I was like, I didn't have a lot of experience. I was just out of college in that field. And when I was talking to my interviewer, he was just like, you're crazy. You know that you're crazy for trying to like, like get this job, but like was in a like playful way. That's like, like, oh, we just razz on each other here, even though I was like, OK, are you going to ask me anything about the job and just be like, you know, it's pretty bold of you to like try to jump into copywriting and all this stuff. Like, and I was like, okay, it's really possible You're to like, do this. <laughs> yeah. It's not like and also they called you for the interview. Yes, exactly. That's what was so weird. I was like, why are you negging me? I'm here. <laughs> and also like the interview just started. I'm not like applying to be like head surgeon of this hospital. It's like, it's pretty reasonable <laughs> that I could get a writing basic marketing writing job out of like college. But then it came up that I had like graphic design experience. And, you know, mind you, I'm not applying for any graphic design roles. They didn't have any graphic design roles open. And they're like, oh, okay, we got to check out your portfolio. And then he took me to the graphic designer, like the design department head who was not anticipating someone coming into their work. And he's like, can you give her some notes on her portfolio? Didn't ask for notes. Like I didn't. And so he pulled up my website like during his work hours and he was like already annoyed and was like, yeah, this is good. Remove that one. Yeah, you don't need this one on. I'm like, wait, I didn't prepare my like, I never shared this (laughs) link with you. You were just asking about it. Like it was just like, okay, I just got roasted for no reason. And then I left. (laughs) And I think I actually did like get some sort of offer to be like, some other lower level position that they had available. And I was like, no, I also was like, I know I'm really looking for a job, but I just can't like you guys seem like a mess. Also, office was a mess, too. So I don't know if that's a common thread, but it was a very confusing space. (laughs) 
So my dysfunctional workplace interview, I did accept the job. <laughs> so uh, in hindsight, I definitely shouldn't have. But uh, no, when I first moved to LA, I was also very desperate for a job. And I had been interviewing a lot and I hadn't been getting any offers. And I finally went for an interview, which I should have known. It lasted five minutes. And she ended it by saying, the job is yours if you want it. That's probably a bad sign that nobody <laughs> wants to work here and you shouldn't either. And it was for an admin assistant job. So that was another thing is I I kind of justified it in my head. Like I walked in, I was like, this is not the work environment for me. This is not at all remotely what I wanted. But I was, I think it was that perfect storm of like, I had the job. I was desperate. Like I rent doesn't obviously pay itself, but also because it was an admin assistant, I was like, oh, you should lower your expectations. Like, you know, this isn't going to be what you want. And in hindsight, it was totally dysfunctional. I was pretty much miserable every single day I was there. And I mean, I I think it wasn't necessarily that I didn't listen to my gut. I think there's listening to your gut and sometimes you just, you have to take the job anyways. But what I wish I had done in hindsight is I wish I had not made the decision out of fear to accept the job because truly I'd only been job searching for like two weeks in LA, which is like nothing. You know, I wish I had like figured out how to make it so I could have job searched a little longer just because finding a new job once you're in a toxic workplace, I felt like then that was that perfect storm of like, well, now you have less time. Your confidence is kind of getting taken down every day that you show up and and all that kind of stuff. So yes, (laughs) I'm the opposite of you guys where you guys ran and I didn't. (laughs) So, uh, you know, in hindsight, 2020, but I totally get why people, this is actually a really popular question too, is people want to know how can I like not set myself up to fail? And it's like, look, you can do all the right stuff, walk away from the interview, knowing it's wrong. Um, like, there are, and then I've also heard from people who are like, I accepted the job and two weeks into it, I knew it wasn't the right fit and I quit. So like, I guess in a way, I also want to take the pressure off of everyone is like, well, yes, there are absolutely red flags that you can spot and you should listen to your gut because I wish I had. At the same time, like circumstances exist and like, even if you pick the right one or the wrong one, there's no guarantee that you'll not run into this again. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I think to Kayleen's point in the opening, like toxic workplaces is a popular topic because like they continue to exist out there, you know? Mm -hmm. I do think that you'll probably encounter several, but I think as you encounter them, you'll get better at noticing them. I agree. And yeah, you can get to a point where you're in an interview and know that like, okay, this is reminding me of this job and this isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely my backstory from before that interview that I had. I had just left and I quit on the spot, which is like something I would never do. But it was that Mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. That I knew like I had been like pushed up against the wall so hard that I was like, I can never. This feels so horrible. Like I couldn't even fathom that a job can make me feel so bad. So yeah, I think you you live and learn. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever going to walk. I mean, I hope, but like, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to like walk away when you really need mm-hmm. a job. Yeah. Unless- I think too, then obviously going to work at Hulu, which I loved and being on the other side of the interviewing side of the table is that remember that interviewing is a two-way street and they should be working hard to make you like love them and want to be part of what they're part of. And 
if you're like, I guess that's just a good reminder is that interviewing is a two-way street. And if you're not feeling that at all, like that's probably red flag number one is, like I said, I probably should have taken it as a sign that the interview was short. And she basically offered me the job like five minutes into it because it's like, there's no woo there. There's no like trying to get the person that's basically saying, hey, we're throwing spaghetti at the wall and whoever is silly enough to accept, like we'll take them kind of thing. So, but I know that this is a concern (laughs) for a lot of people. So, and I think especially during COVID, there's been sort of like new signs that have come up to us. So up next, we're going to share five red flags to watch out for in an interview process that basically lets you know, hey, this place is probably going to be dysfunctional and at the very least investigate those feelings. So let's talk about those five red flags. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, ZenFuel, and how they can help you bring your best self every day, whether you're headed for that interview, the boardroom, or anywhere else. ZenFuel is a holistic wellness brand on a mission to make healthy living simple. ZenFuel's products are made from ethically sourced, all-natural ingredients. Their ingredients contain zero additives. ZenFuel's founder actually traveled the world to source the most potent ingredients to ensure that each and every supplement is packed with ingredients that actually do what they say they're going to do. I know that sounds crazy, but it's not. So whether you're nervous about an upcoming interview, that big project, or maybe your unsure future in general, well, anxiety can start to pile up, which is why I recently started taking my own personal quote unquote chill pill, which is ZenFuel's Zen Chill. Zen Chill supports our body's natural response to mental, physical, and emotional stressors. It promotes tranquility and mindfulness with pure and potent herbs. Best of all, it boosts your mood and focus without any additives or fillers. This is non-habit forming. Ready to try out your own chill pill? I'm sure we all need that still. It is 2021 after all. So here's what you're going to do next. Right now, ZenFuel is giving you 25% off your purchase when you use the code FEMALES at checkout. All you have to do is go to zenfuel.com, so that's Z-E-N-F-U-E-L.com, and then use the code FEMALES, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, for 25% off today. Okay, one more time. That's zenfuel, Z-E-N-F-U-E-L.com, and use the code FEMALES for 25% off your first purchase. All right, now let's get back to the show. Okay, red flag number one is that communication is unclear. So we know that communication is foundational to a good and functional workplace. Um, If you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know that communication comes into a lot of stuff. And in our experience, the way a company handles the beginning stages with a new employee is 100% indicative of the company culture. So a company who's got strong values makes sure that those values are reflected in every aspect of their business and you know, if clarity, promptness, and organization are important, they'll make sure that you see that side of them throughout the interview process. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be super professional to Kayleen's point, like maybe they rent an office to run interviews in the day. But the point is that there, there's a thought behind them that's part of their values to be clear in their communication, set up this professional setting. If you're confused about what time to show up or where to show up or who you're meeting with or even what the position is, take note. If your point person's email is poorly written or their email etiquette seems really off, it's okay to use that as a data point. And I would say that another potential red flag is when the interviewer clearly has never looked at your resume before the interview begins. I see this as a sign that they just don't really care about the role. So for example, 
you get into the interview process and they're like clearly reading your resume and it's Mm -hmm. so obvious that they have no, I will say this happened a few times when I was a recruiter is that sometimes the person would be like, who am I interviewing? What's the position for? And you're like, we, we talked about that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't love that because I just feel like what happens then when you are on the team. So maybe that's more my personal opinion of this stuff. But yeah, I would say communicate bad communications, red flag number one. Yeah. I think also just like paying attention to their tone. I mean, we'll reveal if they've looked over your stuff, if they're familiar, if they even care about taking the time to like talk to you. And I feel like that's I've been in that situation too, where there's like two people. One is the one I've been communicating with clearly has is on top of everything. And the other person's just like, well, what? And it's like, okay, it's just you're in charge of finding someone and no one else really cares or something. Um, I think also the tone, like if you find yourself like defending all the stuff on your resume or like why you included something on the resume rather than providing more information or going more in depth on your experiences, that's also super like key and just and I feel like that's kind of like a gut feeling you get even when you meet a new person in general and you're just like, yeah, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I think just the tone of the interview is really important. I had an interview in college and the woman clearly didn't want to be there. Like I was a college student. It was for some entry-level role. She misspelled the word experience on my resume, which to this day, I'm still pissed off at Grammarly for not catching that. (laughs) And she circled it over and over and over again (sighs) in the interview. Like she was like, oh, look, you spelled experience wrong. And she took a red pen and she circled it over and over. I was like, Okay. Talk about tone. I was yeah. like, you clearly don't want to be here, but also it was like the joy of finding this mistake and yeah. calling it out. And I remember she did it like mid sentence. Like she stopped her own sentence to call attention to that. And yeah. I was like, and like the rest of the interview was off. And also not to mention like she picking apart, she was like, well, why'd you put this on your resume? Why'd you put that? Like, mm-hmm. I felt like I was under fire and I was like, you guys called me yeah. for this interview, you know? So anyway, I'm still, I'm obviously still pissed. Ali, <laughs> I think you use the word interrogate, which like, especially when you're starting out in your, your career, like you're used to quote unquote, like adults being, you know, lording this power mm-hmm. over you. So if you arrive to an interview and you feel like you're being in trouble or picked apart, you're just going to... It was terrible. You're really just going to stand down. Yeah. And that's that's like a horrible way to start. Yeah, it is. It's them taking out their frustrations, their daily frustrations out on you because you are not involved in their company yet. So they're like, yeah, I can say whatever I want to this person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our second red flag is by the end of the interview, you know the interviewer's entire life. So if by the end of the interview, you've heard all about why their latest relationship undid, then they probably don't have boundaries. So working for someone like that can make a job extra taxing once you fall into the are they your boss or your friend territory. So also the red flag of being like, we're like a family here where, you know, anything along those lines that clearly blurs the line of professional and personal is something to look out for. I feel like this is one of those new little hints because it used to be a positive to say, Mm -hmm. oh, we're like a family here. We're so close. And now everyone is like the little dinger in your head is like ding, ding, ding. That is maybe not the place where there are boundaries or the place where they don't expect you to be on 24 seven or the place where if you go to the hospital, they're like, why didn't you slack me about it or something (laughs) extreme, you know? And I think especially with COVID, I would say this is one of those like new red flag, newer red flags is because 
when you're more of us are working remote, like boundaries, I think become literally more important because there's no physical boundary anymore. So, or less Mm -hmm. of them. So yeah, that really scares me. And I think, I think, I think the overshare is sort of a good place to start with that, but you might notice it in other ways too throughout the interview process. Our third red flag is that the interviewer gossips about current or former employees. In some cases, you might be interviewing for a position that someone left hastily or unprofessionally. And it leaves the department scrambling to find a new candidate to fill it. But that's not your fault. While that's frustrating for the organization, it's not something the interviewer needs to share with you at all. In fact, the interviewer shouldn't share much about the previous employee at all during the interview, except to explain the details of her role. Hearing the interviewer say things like she wasn't very detail-oriented or she asked for too much vacation is a huge red flag. It's also a warning sign when the team compares you to the quote-unquote old you frequently. Even if it feels good to hear that you're doing a better job than she did, isn't it better to know that everyone's performance was evaluated privately and appropriately? Mm -hmm. And also, I think there's a huge thing of you're not going to be immune to this. If there's a culture of gossip, like, you will also be gossiped Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That It's sort of like if they're talking badly about this person in the interview and then you go and work there, please do not be shocked when either you are participating in gossip or the gossip is about you because that's another thing. It's like the overall culture is about gossip. So, or like includes gossip. So then if you're not participating in that, a lot of times you can be the the odd man out, you know? So, or odd woman out, I should say. I just don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like uh, that's one of those red flags where to your point, interviewers, please don't do that. And also I think interviewers do themselves a disservice because you continue to keep the like legacy of the old person going as long as you keep referring back to that all the time Mm -hmm. too versus let this new person come in and do their thing. Um, So it's just, it's just sort of like everyone's doing each other a disservice with that and versus starting out um, with a fresh start. The other thing I would say too is like, And I guess this is a kind of different topic, but when people are leaving, they should leave without like murking the waters anymore. Like if you're leaving and you're going on to a new role and like you absolutely hated working at that company, fine, just keep it to yourself Mm -hmm. or put it that the exit interview is where you get to kind of like put all that out. But I've also been part of companies where when the person's leaving, I remember this person was leaving and I was job searching. I was sort of like envious that she got to leave and she just like talked so much trash about the company before. Before she left too. And it's, it's like companies should also make sure employees know like, Hey, there's an exit interview. You can air your grievances there, but we don't need to like have your final two weeks just be like a tour or a campaign of how much you didn't like it here too. You know, mm-hmm. I know that's like a different topic, but I'm just, I wish that would be like communicated a little bit more. Cause I yeah. think exit interviews are not always like a thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've never yeah. been in a situation where someone that was interviewing me like actively gossip so at least I can't remember but I was in like an internship that was one day a week which also was like a test of the company right but they would always compare the interns like there was only three and it would be Mm -hmm. constantly comparing and it's like we're doing different things and it's not really helpful at all and it's like weirdly we also were on different days so we couldn't like see each other yeah Yeah. so it was just this kind of unhelpful thing of just like I can't tell if we're supposed to be like competing against each other like we're all, it seems like we're all just here for the same reason. And everyone seemed to get along too on the first day. So like when we were all doing a little orientation. So I think that also is a red flag of just like, yeah, you teach same, people to like be like, yeah, that. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the same as comparing someone that worked at your previous position 
it's just it does it's not very clean i feel like just allow like a clean start a clean exit yep. Yep. if you need to leave the company but other otherwise it gets just really muddled is it just me or does a good hair day just take your confidence level through the roof whether your next interview is in person or even a video interview you probably want your hair looking its best I have heard so many good things, so I finally decided to check out the Panasonic NA67 Nano hairdryer for myself. And let me tell you, it's as if I'm a professional hairstylist all of a sudden. (laughs) With its oscillating quick dry nozzle, the Nano heats my hair gently without frying it all because of course now it's all healthy from a year in quarantine with its innovative and back and forth moving nozzle. I'm no scientist, but let me see if I can explain what this Nano does differently. The Panasonic NA67 Nano uses its nanotechnology to draw moisture from the air and creates a super fine, moisture-rich nanoparticles that penetrate every shaft of hair. So what does that really mean? In plain terms, it means my hair feels smooth, hydrated, and healthy, all without having to go to a salon. And what can I say? I'm living the dream with really good hair days here in quarantine. (laughs) The Nano comes with attachments for every type of hair. So you can get a concentrator nozzle for precise styling, the oscillating nozzle for gentle, even styling, or even a full-size diffuser for styling wavy or curly hair, which I just tried the diffuser the other day and it was awesome. The Nano is the perfect styling tool while you're staying safely at home. If you want healthy, smooth hair for your next video chat, shop now on Amazon for the Panasonic NA67 Nano hairdryer. The link is in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so the fourth red flag that you can spot a dysfunctional workplace from an interview is the interviewer gaslights you. So let's talk about gaslighting and how to root it out of an interview setting. So Gaslighting, by definition, is a form of manipulation used to make someone second-guess themselves or what they believe to be true. Seasoned gaslighters can press hard enough to make you doubt all of your instincts. So what does gaslighting look like in an interview setting? It can be the interviewer downplaying your experience and your achievements. Gaslighting can occur when talking about salary or job titles. I've seen that a lot. So for example, let's say you're a seasoned marketer with five years in a director role. During your interview, the hiring manager might say something like, oh, I see you in a more junior role. Your experience is with a different kind of company. It doesn't really translate. All of a sudden, the interviewer has basically rewritten your work history and your hard-won experience. This is what gaslighting can look like in an interview. And remember, nobody knows more about your career and your experiences than you. So truly, you don't want to let gaslighting stand. And I I think another thing that I'm noticing kind of like in COVID times too, is this gaslighting of when somebody wants to negotiate a salary or negotiate a job title or whatever it is, it's like, you know, there's a pandemic, like you're so lucky Mm -hmm. we're even interviewing you. Do you know how many people wanted this job? I, the people who send me these stories in DMs on Instagram, it, it truly breaks my heart because there is some weird stuff being said to them. And it's usually full on gaslighting manipulation about, or or like another one was this girl was trying to negotiate for a full-time role. And they were like, look, this is all we can offer you. So you can take this or leave it. And you have less than 24 hours because we have so many people. Like that's gaslighting plus some sort of weird, true full-on manipulation of like forcing the person to accept a job really quickly. So yeah, gaslighting at work is just 
just in life in general, but like gaslighting right now, I feel like is really reaching its peak in the interview process. Mm -hmm. You know, when another time where people gaslight in interviews is if it's going really well and they're talking about like potential start times or something like that. And there's some weirdness around like, I need to put in two weeks at my other job or I need to like respectfully leave my other job. And they're like, ugh, like, well, we really need someone like tomorrow. Like, as if you yeah. don't have any sort of life adjustments you need to make in order to make this job work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do they really want someone who's going to like screw over yeah. their last company? Like that's just to me is very, really common sensey mm-hmm. where it's like, no, maybe you don't want someone who's going to be willing to screw over the last company. Mm-hmm. Cause then you feel crazy. Cause then you're like, oh, I guess I could like work both jobs, <laughs> even though they're full-time. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. I had a friend but. do that, by the way. I had a friend who worked. So she was had a job in LA. <laughs> she accepted a job and moved to Atlanta. And she would work East Coast hours oh and God. then transfer over. So for two weeks, she had two two jobs because the Atlanta job was like, we need you ASAP or we can't give you the role. And the LA company, it was like, she wanted to finish off on a good foot and she didn't want to burn bridges. And she was working on a project. She basically worked all day for two weeks in order to not have it. So either of them were like fully figured out that she was working two jobs at the same time. She was like, look, having two salaries at once was pretty sweet, but I could, she was like on the last day, she was like, there was no way I could have done that longer than the two weeks that I had to do. But yeah, she felt like if she didn't accept the Atlanta job, it would be gone. So yeah. Our final red flag is they can't explain your job responsibilities get annoyed when you ask about career growth and just evade as many of your well-prepared questions as they can. So first off, you deserve to know what a job will actually entail before you take it. And secondly, when a boss can't communicate the goals of the position, it does not bode well for the day-to-day work stuff. If their answers change or are all over the place, they're also going to be all over the place when you work for them. And everyone should want their career to go somewhere. So it's a bad sign if your interviewer seems annoyed when you ask what could be beyond this role. They might see you as a robot that's going to punch a clock. So this is just like, again, are they just are they able to answer your questions? And going back to the whole two way interview, if they're prepared and know, you know, the limitations or growth possibilities of your role, that's really important because you want to know that. Mm -hmm. I think too, there are a lot of people who take a job thinking it's going to be one thing and then it turns out to become another thing that can happen. Just, I mean, look what happened in March of 2020, Mm -hmm. like life totally changed. Like sometimes stuff just happens and your role has to change. But what I always find red flaggy and very dysfunctional is when it's unclear in the interview. So let's at least start with training this interviewer or the manager, whoever it is to to make sure that your boundary is like, hey, if I work somewhere, I need to know what's expected of me. I need to know what my roles are. And I'm basically setting this up, not that it can't change or I'm unwilling to pivot, but I need you to be able to communicate clearly with me right away. And if they can't, and that's not their style, guess what? They're probably never going to communicate clearly with you. And it's going to be this, the finish line's constantly going to be moving on you. And then you're going to DM Career Contessa on Instagram and say, I don't understand why I took this job and it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I will be empathetic, but I will ask you, you know, like, are you asking the boss straight up to be clear? And sometimes you are. And it's like, okay, then this is, this is their style. And that's probably not going to change. 
You can always DM us though, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll make a whole podcast I, episode. Yeah, I, I do love the DMs. It's just, some, you know, the catalyst that brings someone sometimes to DM us is this really negative thing, which is, I understand it's tough for sure. So one of the best ways to combat getting stuck in a dysfunctional workplace is to research. Research the company, the role, and the interviewers beforehand. Next, make sure you're asking great questions. We've written lots and lots of advice on this topic, including some examples of great questions to ask at the end of your interview, which we will link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that at least can be a starting place when people are like, well, okay, I get I need to be asking really smart questions or go in there with some prepared questions. And then step two is always, well, what questions should I ask? So we'll link to that in the show notes. You can use all of those, but also remember to use those as sort of ideas because you you know the company more specifically and the role more specifically. So just be sure to also tailor your questions specifically. I mean, like I said, you can copy ours word for word, but also make sure there's some specific ones in there for you as well. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. They really help our show ratings. And that means that The Females will get recommended more often for new listeners. If you do get caught in a dysfunctional workplace and you're ready to launch your job search, then check out our online course, The Job Search Academy. You'll get lifetime access to 10 plus video tutorials, a workbook with templates, examples, and worksheets for finding your next job and more. Check the show notes for the link. And lastly, don't forget that you can keep the career advice coming by visiting our website, careercontessa.com, or by following us on Instagram at careercontessa.